Hey guys, welcome back to another edition of Fire and Ice Sports. It is Wednesday, January 19th. Uh, it's a little chilly up here in Championshipville, Athens, Georgia. As always, my name is Evan Smoke, and I am the resident fire on this podcast. And about three hours southeast of me in the lovely city of Statesboro, Georgia, is Georgia Southern sophomore and the local ice when it comes to this year. Wheeler Bryson, hope you had a fun one. Was safe during the snowstorm. Uh, how we doing? Good, and we didn't get any snow, but hopefully we might get a little bit this weekend. But we do yeah. not have Noah or Jackson here this week, so uh, let's go ahead and do a trivia question. You're going to ask me one. I'm going to ask you one. Go back to the old days of how we did it. So do you have me something real quick? Prior to last Monday, Georgia's last national championship was in the year of the 1980 football season. That year, we were led by freshman phenom Herschel Walker. That year, was voted on. Who did he lose that Heisman to? Hold up, you you cut out just a little bit. What what you say? Are you saying who did Herschel lose the Heisman to in nineteen eighty? Correct. Okay. All right. I know Archie Griffin won back-to-backs around me, but I think it was before that. I think he was 76-77 or 77-78. So it's right after that, I think. Uh, let's see. Would that have been Doug Flutie? He would have been, Doug Flutie. It was. You know, George Rogers. Okay. First well, Go ahead. I uh, said so thank you very much for giving me a hard one. You're welcome. Well, I'm going to go much more easier on you here. Um, all right, so as we all know, Tom Brady leads the NFL in passing yards. Who was second this past year? Oh, God. Who was second? Well, that's the obvious answer, but I don't think it was. It's not too, too obvious, but, I mean, it's not hard. Yeah. And I'm going to uh, say, don't say who you think is the obvious, because if we're thinking the same person, uh, he definitely missed a few games, so not going to be up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's three names in my head. Um, and I bet they're all in the top five. I'm going to go with Matthew Stafford. He was three. Justin Herbert, our guy, is number two. Yep. And then four was Robert. And then who was four? Uh, I'm off the list right now, but I know Stafford. Okay, here it is. Stafford, Mahomes, Derek Carr, Joe Burrow, Dak Prescott, Josh Allen, Kurt, and then Aaron Rodgers. I thought Kirk had more. Okay. All right, well, let's jump into some college basketball real quick. And the first thing that I want to talk about is Baylor. And Baylor was the number one team in the country. They're still in the top five, but they lost back-to-back games this past week to Texas Tech and Oklahoma State. Now, as we all know, Texas Tech's a really good team. We talked about this last week. Really well coached, but so is Baylor. Baylor's a really well coached team, plays good defense. Just been struggling a little bit lately, but they also lost Oklahoma State as well, too who is unranked. But so what are your thoughts on this Baylor team? As they did bounce back against West Virginia, they have Oklahoma, Kansas State, and then Alabama next Saturday. So really 
big games for them coming up, interesting schedule, but a good place to get back on track. So what are your thoughts on that team? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, this Baylor team still has the potential to make a very deep run. Any reigning national champions I'm ever going to count out, you know, this early in a season. But, you know, they're having some hiccups, the roadblocks. It doesn't seem that the the team or the schedule is as easy as it was last year. Um, they're going to have to be able to prove Scott Drew's coaching staff. Definitely are going to have to do better adjustments down the road as they get more and more into Big 12 play. Still yeah, think they have that. Or, go ahead. I was just saying, like, I still think they have a solid chance to win the Big 12, be a top, you know, two seed, you know, one or two, you know, not counting them out by no means, but they definitely need to make a few adjustments, you know, as they go into this, you know, meat and potatoes of their schedule. Yeah, well, they just don't have that player this year, really, that's going to carry them kind of like Davian Mitchell could last year. I mean, yes, they have Flo Thomba, who's been playing some good basketball. James Akinjo, I think is how you pronounce it. Matthew Mayer's a good ball player. They've got a lot of really good players, but they don't have that star top, you know, 10, 12, whatever Davion Mitchell was picked. They don't have that type of player this year, so they're going to have to rely on the, you know, the whole team this year. But let's jump to another team who had a terrible losing streak this past week. And we talk about this team week in, week out on this podcast in basketball. And it's the Alabama Crimson. They dropped three straight games this week to Missouri, Auburn, and Mississippi State. They do have a big one against LSU tonight at home. If they can win that, they can turn around this whole season, I think, right here. LSU's ranked 13th, but, you know, they get them at home. Bama's actually a four-point favorite. Now, do I think they should be? Absolutely not. I have money on LSU covering and their money line, so I have LSU outright. But Alabama has been struggling. They have not shot the ball well at all lately. Losing to Mississippi State wasn't a real good loss. Missouri wasn't either. Now, we all know Auburn's a really good team. Jabari Smith, Walker Kessler, all that really good players. But it's time to panic about this Alabama team, I think. They, like we've said, they live and die by the three ball. But they have not hit the three ball lately at all. And so it's panic time. But what, what are your thoughts and how much panic should be in Tuscaloosa right now? No, I think this is some serious panic, especially if you're not able to find a way to win this game tonight. I mean, I think Alabama is in a serious crossroads. Um, I'm not saying they'll fall out of the tournament or contention, but, you know, a couple weeks ago we thought this team might be a top four or five seed, you know, make a chance of the Elite Eight, stuff like that. You know, the way they're playing right now, they'll be lucky to survive the first round. You know, I'm just saying, you know, that this team is living and dying by that three ball. They can't shoot, but that – that does give you a little hope because you know the way this team has. They have made shots in the past. They have got hot. So, I mean, if they could rebuild that practice, rebuild that shooting trail, <laughs> the team can be fine. But I think it, during this period where the shooting's not well, you have to be able to develop a post game or a layup game or some type of extra attribute, whether that be on the defensive side or the offensive side. He definitely needs to be uh, the coaching staff over there. I think it's Nate Oates is the coaching yes. staff over there now. Um he definitely needs to be able to, with his staff, to come together and provide a second dimension to the team. But you know, I really, I'm really looking forward to seeing how this LSU game pans out tonight because I think this could be a really, um, really good measuring stick for this Crimson Tide team going forward. Yeah, as we mentioned always, Shackelford, Quinterly, JD, uh, yeah, JD Davidson, always you know trying to carry this team at the guard play. They need other people to step up. Nate Oates really well coach. Hopefully, can turn around. 
But just listen to this next part of the schedule for them if they don't turn around, how bad it could be. LSU tonight. Missouri Saturday. Now, Missouri's not real good, and then they get Georgia. So two decent games there. But then turn it around, Baylor. And then they get Auburn on the road. Then Kentucky, Ole Miss on the road, Arkansas, Mississippi State, Kentucky on the road again. It's a gauntlet coming up for them. And, you know, if they don't turn it around quickly, I'm not going to say they're going to miss the tournament because I think they have some really good wins that's going to put them in already, such as, you know, over Houston, over Gonzaga, Tennessee, some really good wins. But if they don't turn it around quickly here, they might be looking at, you know, an 8, 9, 10 seed, something really low. And, you know, they could shock people in the tournament if they get, you know, one of those seeds and get hot. But I'm starting to really worry about this team right now, and for a good reason. But that's all we got to review from the past couple weeks. Let's jump into one game that I want to preview this next week, and it's Kentucky versus Auburn. I wish Noah was here to talk about a little bit. Big matchup. Kentucky goes on the road to Auburn, number 12 at number two. Auburn's probably going to open up as about a four or five point favorite, rightfully so. I will probably pick Auburn in a close one. But I think Oscar Shebway is going to handle Walker Kessler down low really well for them. Walker Kessler's, I think he's the nation's leading shot blocker. If not, he's very close. He scores a lot for them, gets a lot of rebounds. But I think Oscar Shebway is going to be able to pretty much just handle him because Shebway's averaging 16 and 15. Shebway's an absolute beast at 6'11, 250, 4% body fat. Like, he's an absolute stud down there. Hopefully, he can shut him down. Jabari Smith, though, on the other hand, I think could be a real struggle for Kentucky. I'm not sure who they'll guard him with. Keon Brooks. I don't know. That that would be my guess. I think Kentucky be, could be in real trouble finding somebody on Jabari Smith. Wendell Green and Severe Wheeler is going to be a great look at the guard play. I've got Auburn in a real close one, probably, like I said, a four or five-point win. But what do you have? Yeah, I'm right there with you. I've got Auburn probably by like a field goal, you know, a three-pointer. You know, definitely going to go down to the wire, I think. Um, I think it's going to be a phenomenal matchup, maybe a preview of the SEC championship, depending on how the brackets play out. But, you know, these teams definitely have the potential to both go forward this tournament, maybe have another postseason matchup after uh, Tampa Bay this year. But I, I, I'm excited to see what happens in this game. I think it, I think it's a really true test for Auburn. You know, if they could beat Georgia and Kentucky this week, they should have no problem beating us. We're awful, by the way. I watched us lose to Vanderbilt Saturday. Not fun. Um, you know, yes, I might have a little too much money on the Auburn uh, money line tonight just because I know it's a safe bet. Yeah. But um, all that being said, I think it's going to go really well. Um, and I think if Auburn wins that game, they there should be no questions. They should be the number one team in the country. Absolutely, I agree. And then on the flip side, though, if Kentucky wins this game, I think it shows that they are really a top team in the country like I've been speaking all year. I think this team's really underrated. I know they had a not real good loss against Notre Dame. They did lose to Duke. You know, lost to LSU, both really good teams. I think this Kentucky team's a top eight or ten team in the country. But Yeah, they probably are right about there. That's enough on college basketball. Let's jump into the NBA real quick. And I want you to give us a rundown on the returns of Kyrie Irving and Clay Thompson and just talk about how they boosted their teams, how much it's going to affect them going forward. Well, Clay Thompson, you know, it's more of a locker room boost than anything. While his talent on the floor is undeniable, you know, just having number 11 back in that locker room at Golden State or wherever that team plays 
it's just got to be heartening for, you know, the veterans such as Andre Iguodala and Steph Curry and Draymond Green. But, you know, for the young guys like Kaminga and Moses Moody and even Andrew Wiggins, who's never gotten to play really for Clay, you know, that that partnership is is becoming really deadly. And a lot of people thought that Wiggins was just, you know, the guy in the middle until Clay comes back. But Wiggins and Clay seem to be working really well together, which is a great sight to see. You know, if you're a Warriors fan, everybody else in the NBA is getting terrified of what's going to happen over there in the Bay Area. But, you know, this team is is firing on its cylinders. Now, they did lose the number one spot in the West. The Suns have overtaken that and have gone once more on a run, you know, similar to they did earlier in the year in the fall. But, you know, I'm, I'm impressed by the way Clay has been able to bounce back. Now, is he the same yet? No. But he's been able to regularly compensate and regularly contribute to this team, which is something that's, you know, really great to see after two straight season-ending injuries. Yeah, and I'm not sure exactly how many he finished with last night. I'm trying to figure it out. But he had 17 at halftime. He had 21, finished with 21. But he had 17 at halftime. Shot the ball really well last night, three of eight for three. Curry was four of eight. Both had 18, 21 points. The Splash Brothers are back. It's a great thing to see. One of the funnest things in all of sports to watch. But let's jump to something that's not quite as fun to watch right now, and it's your Atlanta Hawks. What are your thoughts on them? How do they fix what's going on? Well, you know, first I want to talk about the Cam Radish trade. I get it. Supposedly Cam didn't want to be there. He had made that very known to the locker room and the administration. So I understand now the why we traded him for – but a top 18 protected pick in Kevin Knox, who's greatly, greatly, greatly underperformed in New York. You know, I'm not, I'm not excited with that return, nor am I happy with it. But when you hear what was on the market, it was the best thing for him. I would have been okay with stashing him a little longer, but if he was being that type of cancer in the locker room and a team that was already falling under 500, going under the ship, Nate McMillan having problems controlling it, I understand why we took the deal. Um, it does suck to see. I think Cam is a, per- is a person with a lot of potential. Um, I think it kind of spurns off you know, what could have been, you know, with Hunter and Reddish in that wing spots. But, hey, um, life moves on. This is a business at the end of the day. And, you know, best of luck to him in New York. And hopefully him and R.J. Barrett can have that type of, you know, partnership. They had it in college, so expect to see that on an NBA court soon when Reddish returns from his injury. Um, For 18 and 25, we had a big win Monday for Martin Luther King Day, which is always good to see. You know, we were at home, raced back to beat the Milwaukee Bucks with Chris and Giannis going for 28-plus. Trey had another phenomenal game, 30 points, 11 assists, two turnovers only. You know, so that's always great to see out of your star. But, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen to this team. I I don't know if we're going to try to retool, switch some bitch pieces for some bigger pieces, or if we're going to go full massive rebuild again in a sense, because I've heard today that John Collins and Bogey Bogdanovich were both fully on the market and anticipating trades. So, I mean, if you trade both of them, your team from last year, I'm not saying that you don't, that you, that you shouldn't, but the team from last year that you went to the Eastern Conference with is done. Like you're going back into the bottom and trying to retool. Cause I, I just don't think either of those guys are going to return massive trade abouts where you're going to be able to actually compete almost immediately. Um, and I get it. People are scared of going back to the 10-year period where we were good enough every year to be a top six seed, make the playoffs, maybe win the first round, but then get trashed in the second round. And I get not wanting to fall back into that pattern of mediocrity, but, you know, 
we've sucked for so long. You've got to have a little fan service here, I feel like, and at least keep us relevant for more than just one magical year. Yeah, I will say I totally understand where you're coming from, but I will say, you know, as a big Braves fan and as a big follower, the Braves kind of went through that stretch. You know, I think our last pennant in the early 2000s was like 2001. Pretty much from 2003 to about 2013, we were very irrelevant. And then we won a few years right there, 13, 14, whatever it was. But then we we weren't going to go anywhere, kind of like the Hawks are. And so what we do, we tanked again. And the Braves were terrible from about 2015 to 2018. But it, as we can see now, it was well worth it. Should the Hawks do something like that? I'm not sure because you, you hate to waste Trey Young's prime. And the primes for basketball players and baseball and football, they're all different. You never know what's going to happen. So do you want to waste that? No. But does do they need to make some major changes? It kind of looks like it. And how, how they do that, I'm not sure. Do you go free agency route? Do you go the draft route? What do you do? I'm not sure. Hopefully they can figure it out, though, because I like to watch the Hawks. I enjoy watching them. I hope they become a really good team. But they're just not there this year, and I think it's just about time to ride them off for the rest of the year. Oh, yeah. I mean, unless you were to pull some type of wheeling and dealing at the trade deadline that, you know, something similar to the Braves did last year, you know, some underrated moves that just turn out to be absolutely spectacular. I mean, barring something like that, this this team's not going anywhere. Yeah, I agree. But let's talk about a team who's surprised us on the good side lately, and it's the Memphis Grizzlies. They are third in the Western Conference and are 12-1 and one in their last 13 games. John Morant looks like one of the best players in basketball right now, pretty much carrying this team. Steven Adams playing really good. But what are your thoughts on this team, and are they a true contender? No, yeah, Absolutely. I definitely think so, though. Um, this Memphis team, I, th- well, one, let me start off by saying this. This is, this is John Morant's arrival. There's there's always a time period in a career, and like any player's career, but there's about a 20-game stretch where everyone goes, holy crap, he's here. This is it. This John Morant's not going anywhere. And, you know, we thought we were going to get a little bit of that last year, but it kind of fell off just a little bit. Steve's to stick into it. He's going to make an all-star game. He's going to be, you know, he already has a rookie of the year under his belt. You know, I mean, or he, or he doesn't actually. He should have. But, you know, all of those things considered, um, this is this is, this Memphis team is, is what the Hawks have been trying to do. You know, I'm not saying are, are if they're, you know, contenders for the title, but they're definitely contenders to make a deep run in the playoffs. They're definitely contenders to sneak into the NBA Finals, I think. You know, I mean, would I put them there? No, but do they, if they get hot at the right time, they, they have the talent to do it. They're playing that good. And I think what some people don't understand in basketball, and I might be wrong about this, you can disagree with this, but I full-heartedly believe, yes, you need to have talented players. Yes, you need to have a talented team. But if you've got a just, just enough talent to be great, to be good, and you're hot, you can beat anybody. Yeah, you know, it, I think that's the same with baseball. I think it's, you know, it's not who's the best team come October, really. It's who's playing the best ball. Look at the Braves yeah. this past year. Were they the I best mean, team? I don't no. think so. But no. we got hot at the right time. Look a few yeah. years ago, the Nationals, when they won it, were they the best team? Not even close. But they got hot at the right time. 
And that's yeah. really what it takes. And, you know, could the Grizzlies do something like this year, this, this year? Possibly so. They're not the most talented. They're nowhere close. But well, I mean, that's what the Hawks did last year. I mean, we were just playing out of our minds, you know, going into the playoffs. And we played out of our minds in that Philly series, Thank you know, coupled with the Embiid injury. We played really well in the New York series while they played really bad. I mean, we just got lucky until we ran into Milwaukee, you know? Yeah, and but I do not think that it's really like that in football. And let's jump to the NFL playoffs. I think the playoffs, most of the time, you're going to get the best team who wins. Not always. Yeah. You'll get some upsets, but it's really usually the best team. And let's start off with the first game last week, and it was the Bengals over the Raiders. 26-19 to 19 win for the Bengals. This Bengals offense has looked really, really good as of late. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, Joe Mixon. Really powerful, potent offense. Defense has some holes in it. As we all know, the offense line has some holes in it for the Bengals. But they've been able to hold it together lately with this firepower on offense. But I want to give some props to the Raiders. Everything they went through, all the drama, the turmoil throughout the team, they still put together, put together a 10-7 and season, made it to the playoffs. Absolute props to them. Derek Carr had a really good season, as I just said. I'm pretty sure I said he finished, what, fifth in passing yards this past year? So, really good season for him. Darren Waller, you know, who was out for some injuries, came back, was their leading receiver this past week. And, you know, there was a lot of controversy over the ref, the officiating in this game. And there was one called, and you know I never fuss about officiating, never. But there was one that they did the wrong thing. It was when Joe Burrow was running out of bounds, the ref blows the whistle dead as soon as he releases it. The ball's in the air. When the whistle blows, the calling should be to replay the down because it's a loose ball. And they ended up catching a touchdown on the play. The officials talked about it, gave them the touchdown. And the NFL came out and said that was wrong and that that officiating crew will not be reffing anymore in the playoffs. And, you know, besides that, I really didn't have many problems, but that was definitely the wrong call. They really hurt the Raiders as they ended up being a seven-point loss. But what were your thoughts on this game? Yeah, a big win for the Bengals, man. Big win for the city of Cincinnati. You know, it's the first time someone's ever sent a text message about a Bengals win. That's insane. Um, but, you know, really, you know, that that definitely was a question. Um, you know, and it did come back to look bad on that officiating crew and for Raiders fans. But I still think the Bengals were the better team. I think the better team won the game. Absolutely. I don't think the Raiders were screwed out of anything. So, at least it wasn't anything uh, – damaging you know kind of back to the Purdue Tennessee bowl game um but I, I'm excited for Joe Burrow I like this team a lot man I, I'm not saying it's dangerous but it, there's just something about this Bengals team that makes you want to root for them so I mean I'm, I'm riding that wave right now seeing how far they could go but a um, big test this weekend but you know props to Joe Burrow and that staff Zach Taylor I think Zach Taylor gets a bad rap I don't think he's a bad as coach as people say he is um and I think he proved that this year yep and I agree that then with the Titans this week, I very well may pick the Bengals to win. I'm not sure yet. Uh, that That's probably the closest game in my book this week, but I'm not sure who I'm picking on that one. The Bengals look really good right now, but the Titans do get Derrick Henry back. But let's jump to the next game. And the Bills show that they are by far the best team in the division. Mac Jones and the Patriots just weren't ready. And that's totally understandable. I don't think any of us thought that the Patriots would go 10-7 and seven and be in this position this year. 
with Mac Jones at the helm. But Josh Allen had probably the best game of his career. Looked absolutely phenomenal. Had four incompletions with five touchdowns. So more touchdowns than incompletions. 308 yards. This team did not punt, did not fumble, did not turn the ball over the whole entire game. Absolute great performance by the Bills. Dawson Knotts had a really good game. Devin Singletary had a good game on the ground at 81 yards and two touchdowns. But can they continue this trend against the Chiefs this next week will be the main question. But before we get into that game, give us your thoughts on the Bills-Patriots game. Um, yeah. Oh, what do you want me to say? I mean, it was it was just a full, old-fashioned clobbering. I mean, the Patriots never was in that game. The Bills completely ran through the defense, ran, you know, did what they wanted to with they were on defense. I mean, the game was just not fun to watch. It was not appetizing to watch. It was nothing. I mean, the Bills just absolutely beat the crap out of them. And I, I don't know how else to phrase it in a nicer way. I mean – Bill's team looked really good. Now they get to run into the Patriots. Um, not the Patriots. They get to run into the Chiefs. Um, that That's a scary sight. Uh, Going to be a great game, I think. Yeah, I mean, the Bills dominated. They were up 30, or they won by 30 against the Patriots, who those two teams were the top two in the division. The, they clearly showed that they're the best team. Do you think that that really showed it, or do you think it was just one game? No, I think it really showed it. I think um, – it was very clear, you know, this past weekend. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, let's jump to the next game real quick. Another one that was an absolute blowout. And, you know, the score might be a little closer than the game said. Bucks win 31-15 to over the Eagles. The Bucks jumped up 17 nothing really, really fast in this game. Tom Brady dominates. Jalen Hurts did not have a real good game. Devontae Smith, you know, another good game, Dallas Goddard. But I want to talk about Devontae Smith and just how good of a rookie season he really really had. Jalen Hurts, you know, as we all know, is not the best passer. But Devontae Smith still put up really good numbers in his rookie season. Props to him. Mike Evans and Rob Gronkowski is pretty much the only pass catchers in this offense right now. Put up really good numbers this week. Mike Evans went 117 in the touchdown. But what are your thoughts on this Bucks team, and can they – Make a Super Bowl run without A.B. and Goblin. Well, that's the question right now, isn't it? I mean, they looked like they could this past weekend, but they were also playing some pretty inferior talent. Um, so things are definitely going to be a lot harder next week as they host – who do they get? The Bucks get the Rams. Rams, Rams. So that's going to be a great game. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens, you know, as the playoffs progress. Um, can Brady – you know, engineer another great playoff season? Or is the lack of pass catchers and the injuries going to catch up to Tampa Bay? I don't have that answer right now because I really do not know. I can see it going either way. You never want to cut out Brady, but you also understand that the gravity and the the talent that he is playing is going to eventually overcome um, and exploit those injuries. So I think this Bucks team is dangerous, but I wouldn't guarantee them another Super Bowl run. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I'm not sure yet about them. But let's flip to San Francisco and Dallas. And I called it last week. I had San Francisco winning. Had a really good game. You know, San Francisco was up pretty big, actually, in most of this game. 10, 17 points most of the time. Dallas scores a little bit late to make it a lot closer in the scorebook. But this Dallas offense struggled. 
as I've mentioned all year, the defense has looked good for them. But is it good enough to win games when the offense struggles like they have been all year Some or at times? They've been on and off all year. But the defense was not good enough to hold them in this. They could not stop Elijah Mitchell in the run game for the 49ers. And the Cowboys, I have no clue what that play call was late in the game there. The Dak Prescott QB scramble, I'm still not sure if you've seen it or know what I'm talking about. I know we yeah, explained it to you. That was literally the worst play call I've ever seen in football history that I've watched. I do not understand it one bit. You can't do that with 14 seconds left. You go down – at the they went down at the 25. There's about seven, eight seconds left. They couldn't get the ball spiked in time. Awful. Awful, awful clock management. And whoever called that, whether it was McCarthy or Kellen Moore, I think should be absolutely fired on the spot. I would have let him back into the locker room. That you That's inexcusable, especially in the NFL playoffs. But props to the 49ers. They look really good. This defense looked really good. Real good run game. I think they could, you know, give the Packers a scare this week. What are your thoughts on this game, though? Well, I want to go back and say this. As much of a bad play call it was, they still had time to spike the ball. Here's where the team went wrong. When Dak got up, he handed the ball to the center and not the refs. The yeah. ref had to go back in there and change the spot because it wasn't accurate. If Dak hands the ball to the ref, they get that playoff. Probably, but you just you can't risk it. There's I mean, no I get it. Reason I to risk that. The call was good. Let's see, it was good. But the play call would have been all right. And the hole was there. I mean, you get the yards. Now, well, yeah, because the 49ers were allowing it. Because who runs the ball up the middle with 14 seconds left, no timeouts? The Cowboys. Yeah. I mean, if they, if they had the ball to the ref, they, they spike it. They get one play to the end zone. You know, it might be a different story. But we're talking about, the you know, the play call and just the really bizarre ending. Uh so, but yeah, definitely props to the 49ers. They played well. They should have won the game. They they were the better team all day. I don't know if they could really give Green Bay a scare. I think this Packers team is really good. But, hey, the 49ers have surprised me in the past. The last two times they've made the Super Bowl, I did not have them in the Super Bowl. So, maybe it's another year like that. Yeah, we'll see. They got a big test, though, this week going to Lambeau. But let's jump into the Chiefs-Steelers game. And it was Big Ben's last drive, most likely. You know, sad to see him go out like this because they looked abysmal on offense. This offense needs to regroup everything. They look terrible. The offense line's awful. The wide receivers, I think, have more drama than playing time most of the time. But the Chiefs offense finally showed up. This was the Chiefs offense that we've expected all year to see. Patrick Mahomes throws for 404 and five touchdowns. Does have an interception, but didn't, you know, bite him at all. Travis Kelsey even threw a touchdown pass. Jarrett McKinnon had a really solid game, 61 on the ground, 81 through the air. Travis Kelsey, 108 in there, or uh, receiving yards and a touchdown. Demarcus Robinson had 76 yards. Tyreek Hill, 57 in the touchdown. All these playmakers that we always rave about finally showed up for this team, showed out the defense looked really good. I know the Steelers put 21. A lot of it's late garbage stuff, whatever. What are your thoughts on this Chiefs team, though, in this big win? Well, that's what you didn't want to see if you were not a Chiefs fan because that is the Chiefs team that wins Super Bowls that we saw Sunday. Um, we have to take it with a great assault because it was the Steelers. The Steelers shouldn't have been in. 
I still think the Chargers were a better team. I still think possibly, you know, someone behind the Chargers and the was was a better team than the Steelers team. But hey, the Steelers played well enough to make the playoffs, and they were properly told to leave the playoffs. Um, with all of that being said, props to Big Ben and his career. I know he had a lot of off the field drama that'll kind of cloud him for the rest of his life, but I definitely, um, I definitely understand. Um, the significance he had for the game for what he meant to the city of Pittsburgh. So he'll definitely be missed in the black and gold next season. Absolutely. And it'll be interesting to see where they go in their next quarterback because a lot of people are saying, could it be Mason Rudolph? I hope not. I think not. A lot of people are saying, could they go get Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, somebody who wants out Russell Wilson, you know, somebody who's talking about getting traded. Could they go to the draft? I just saw in Mel Copper's first mock draft of the year them taking Matt Corral. So it's going to be really interesting to see who they can get in the quarterback realm next year. But well, the last game of last week that I want to talk about is the Cardinals really disappointed me. I did pick the Rams to win this game, but I did not expect it to go out for the Rams. The Cardinals looked terrible. This defense just overwhelmed and suffocated this Cardinals offense. Kyler Murray really, really struggled, only had 137 and threw for two interceptions. They couldn't get anything going in the run game. Eight carries for 28 yards. Kyler Murray never got involved in the run game, only had two carries for six yards. This Rams team looked really good, though. The offense didn't have a you know amazing day, but they did what was needed. What were your thoughts on that one? No, absolutely. I mean, I, I definitely think the Cardinals definitely disappointed, but it seems to be a yearly occurrence. They play good for like the first eight, ten games. The back half of the season, they have a slide, and then they either miss the playoffs or they sneak into the playoffs and get whacked. You know, I mean, it's it's kind of disheartening if you're a Cardinals fan to see this trend continue year after year. But I mean, what are you going to do? I don't. I don't think the team's bad. I don't think you can make any substantial changes without upsetting the future of this pro. I mean, the franchise, but. Maybe that's what's necessary. I'm, I'm kind of confused, and, and I think the Cardinals are really at a crossroads this offseason. Yeah, and I can't find it right now, but I saw a stat the other day, and it was talking about Cliff Kingsbury the first half of the season and the second half of the season. And the since he's been at the Cardinals, the first half of the season, his win percentage was like 800 or something. It was unreal how good he had been. But then the second half of the season in playoffs, he was 16-43. and 16-43. and 43. Like, that's awful. And that is Cliff Kingsbury the right answer in Arizona? I really don't know. People were talking about, you know, he's been progressing, whatever. I heard him talking about and get up. I, I don't know if he has. 16 and 43 in the second half of the season is a fireable fence. Awful. Will he be? I mean, he'll be there next year. But is he the long-term result there? I'm not sure. But let's preview this week's games. And, you know, give us your pick. Give Let's go Bengals-Titans real quick. So, yeah, I think this is going to be the best game this this uh, um, this weekend. I, I'm really high on this Bengals team. I, I'm not fully convinced that um, they can win it, but this is probably the best matchup they could have had. I think that Bengals defense can stop a, excuse me, rusty Derrick Henry. Um, the, Panic Hill is not a great quarterback. You know, I think he is valuable, but I don't know if he's the best. You know, he's probably top ten. But with all the quarterbacks left, you probably want to face Tannehill. Um, this Garoppolo defense, then Tannehill, but yes. Yeah, yeah. Garoppolo then Tannehill, my bad. I forgot Jimmy G was still quarterback in the 49ers. Um, 
but yeah, I, I definitely believe that this team is dangerous. I think they're the worst number one seed in the past probably like four or five years. Um, but this team is dangerous. I would take the Bengals by a field goal as time expires. I'm talking that close. It could go any way, but I think the Bengals find a way and get it to the AFC Championship game. Yeah, I agree with I mean I, I agree with everything you said about this Bengals team looked really good. This Titans team's been struggling or not struggling. They just not the firepower we're used to seeing of a number one seed. Tannehill, like you said, good quarterback, but he has a twenty one to fourteen touchdown interception ratio. Are we really about to be bragging on that? I mean, Joe Burrow, on the other hand, who has so many interceptions as well, both have fourteen has 13 more touchdowns than Tannehill. So the touchdown-to-interception ratio is much, much better for Burrow. You know, Derrick Henry coming back, though, huge boost for the Titans. I do think this Titans team finds a way to do it just because I think they're a really good team. Getting Derrick Henry back is going to help a lot. The inexperience and lack of playoff by the Bengals, playoff experience by the Bengals is really going to hurt them. I think I have the Titans at a very, very close one. But let's jump to the next game. Packers 49ers. Give us your pick. Um say it again, you broke up a little bit. Packers 49ers. What's your pick? Packers by 10. Easily. Maybe more. Um, this is the year the Packers should win the NFC championship. Like, <laughs> if it's not this year, I don't know when, my guy. Um, this is Aaron Rodgers, you know, possibly last ride at Green Bay. I don't think he's going to go out to the 49ers this weekend. Um, you know, pretty good team, really good defense, but I don't know. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm going to pick this game to be much, much closer. I've got the Packers, but I think I'm going to go with them around three to six points. I think this 49ers team matches up really well with them. I talked about it last week, you know, the 49ers matching up with the Cowboys. I think this team matches up with them really well. I think the 49ers will be able to run the ball. Yes, they do have Kenny Clark, but other than that, they do not have much in the front seven. In the secondary, you know, they've got Adrian Amos, Jair Alexander, Eric Stokes, all these guys. Good secondary, but the 49ers don't like to throw. So what does it really help? So they're going to look to pound the rock. I think they will be able to. Low-scoring game, I've got the Packers by three to six, somewhere in there. Let's jump to Sunday's games. Rams, Buccaneers, who you got? I think I'm going to take the Rams here. Now, I just think that, you know, Ramsey and who's opposite of Ramsey? Uh, who's opposite of Ramsey? Dang it. Marcus Peters. Is he still there? I'll, I'll look it up. I got you. I think, I think he's opposite of Randy. Whoever their other quarterback is still really good. Um, so I I definitely feel like this this secondary is going to be able to stop. You can't stop Cooper Cup, Cooper Cup and Matt Stafford. You just can't. OBJ had a breakout game for the Rams this past weekend. Hopefully he can continue that. And I, I've got the Rams probably by six, somewhere around six. Wow. That absolutely shocks me. But – um. You know, I've been looking it up. They do have some cornerbacks who are hurt and stuff. Their other listed starting cornerback is Darius Williams. And, you know, they've got Ernest Jones who's been out. I think Ernest might be back this week, though. So, big boost for the Rams at middle linebacker there. The Rams have looked really good lately. But I'm not betting against Tom Brady. 
I think it will be a very close game. I have the Bucks by field goal. They're favored by field goal. I would probably take just right around there. I probably wouldn't touch this one or the Bengals-Titans game in the betting lines. But um, let's jump to the last game of the weekend, and it's the Bills and Chiefs. I think it's another toss-up. I could see it going either way. Noah's, Noah's already been talking about it. He's picking the Bills. I think I'm going to go the Chiefs by about another field goal game. What do you have? I think I would go opposite of you by a field goal. I think I'd take the Bills by a field goal. I mean, like, this game really is a true toss-up in my head. I, I really – I would not be surprised by any result. Like, somebody could blow the other person out, and I'd be like, well, yeah, I mean, that's just, just how it is. I think this game has such a myriad of possibilities that, you know, and every game has that. But I really could see – I could really see a lot of different outcomes this weekend in that game. Yeah, I could too, except I think for a Bills blowout. I just think the Chiefs' firepower on offense is going to be too much. The defense has been playing better. But the Bills do have a really good defense. Will it be enough to stop the Chiefs? I don't really think so, though. Do you have anything else in the NFL you want to talk on real quick? I do not. All right, well, let's jump into a little bit of college football real quick. And I'm going to run over what's been going on in the transfer portal, and you can give us your thoughts on any of the guys. First off, Jackson Dart enters the transfer portal, quarterback at USC. Real young guy, pretty sure he's a freshman. Really talented, highly rated out of high school. You know, had some decent games this year, put up some pretty solid numbers. Talking about transferring, probably BYU and Utah are his top two teams. Not really sure. My guess will probably be BYU with Cam rising at Utah. Makes more sense to go to BYU. But, you can give us your thoughts on that later. Let me just finish running down. Mario Williams to USC, really talented wide receiver from Oklahoma. Drew Sanders, linebacker out of Alabama, who didn't get much playing time but highly rated off high school, goes to Arkansas. Jaleel Billingsley, tight end from Alabama. Texas is really good you know, options next year with B. John Robinson, Xavier Worthy. Quinn Ewers is going to have a lot of weapons to throw to next year. Osiris Torrance, really good offense lineman. The best offense lineman in the Sun Belt last year, Osiris Torrance, heads to Florida. Billy Napier has been hitting the portal really strong in the past few weeks, and I think it's only going to continue. We brought in Montreal, uh, Montreal Johnson running back from them as well. I think we're going to land Javon Baker, wide receiver from Alabama. We got Jalen Kimber from Georgia. I think we're going to land a lot more transfers. Travis Dye, running back from Oregon, joins the portal. Had over 1,200 yards and 16 touchdowns this past year. Will be an absolute huge get for whoever gets him. And our boy Thomas Castellanos hopefully got two playmakers this past week. Kobe Hudson from Auburn and Kamari Gamble, tight end from Florida, both go to UCF. Hopefully he can get the starting job and be able to throw to them too. What were your thoughts on any of those guys or any more in the transfer portal? No, I mean, everything – the one thing that surprises me is the Jackson Dart kind of at the BYU-Utah. Maybe he has some morbid religion preferences. That seems to be the only reasons you would think he would go to those two schools. But well, regardless – Utah. I mean, I guess. So, but still, you I, – I would be – I'm not saying that all Mormons go to Utah schools, but you would think when he has the talent, he would go. I don't know. Just some food for thought. Um, yeah, I mean, Ole Miss is another team that's been thrown a lot, a lot around. That was, my, that was my next statement. Who is Ole Miss going to go get? Because they're not – I don't think they're going to run with that freshman dude. I, I don't I, – I, I think they're going to go get somebody. And I don't, I don't know. They keep missing out on people, and they're eventually going to run out of options. But I, I significantly think Ole Miss is going to land a transfer quarterback. I don't know when. I don't know who. 
I don't know how, but I think somebody's going to go over to Ole Miss and be Lane Kiffin's number one next year. I do too, and whoever it is, him and Zach Evans are going to be a real deadly backfield for them. Yeah. Um, beyond that, Travis Dye entering the portal, that's huge. I mean, it's a huge loss for Bo Nix and Dan Lanning, man. I mean, they they thought they had something there because, I mean, you would think like, all right, I got Bo Nix at quarterback. He's pretty solid. I got Travis Dye in the backfield. He's pretty good. You know, my defense is going to be great under Lanning. We might actually have something here. And then Dye was like, I don't want to be here anymore. And then just dips. So now you got a lot more questions to answer. Bo Nix loses a huge playmaker. And, you know, especially as they start the season with Georgia next year, and not saying that's the breaker, you know, a break, uh, make or break game, but, you know, you, you want to at least be competitive in it. And, you know, you think you got to have some playmakers around Bo Dix to do that. Well, I will say one good thing for them is CJ Verdell should return for them. Verdell's been a really good back. He was injured for most of this year and last year, but his freshman and sophomore years, he put up over a thousand yards both seasons. He had 10 touchdowns as a freshman, eight as a sophomore. Really good back, good pass catcher as well. So I expect him to return, and I think he'll be able to step in for Travis Dye. But do you have any other thoughts on anyone else in the portal or anything college football? I do not. All right, well, do you have us a bold prediction? Georgia loses by less than 10 tonight. Um, yeah, sure. We'll go with that. That's bold. That's bold. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's very, very bold. Um, I think Auburn wins pretty handily. I think they win probably, probably around like, thirty. Yeah. No. No. I agree. That was my bold prediction. All right. Well, give me a minute. I haven't really put much thought into it. I want to go. You know what? We were just betting on golf and talking about it earlier. I put some long shots in for this past for this weekend. I got you a winner. Old lefty. I'm going Phil Mickelson returns to glory once again and wins the golf tournament this week. Plus 50,000 odds. I've got Phil the Thrill at lefty. All right. We'll All right. What do you What's that? So we'll see how that turns out this weekend. Yes, sir. Do you have any closing remarks? Um, Falcons suck. Braves are champs. Dogs are champs. So we just need the Hawks to be better. So I guess go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Braves. Go Falcons.